0: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
2: Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 Podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking F1 Podcast presented by me, Ben Hocking, Sam Sage and Harry Eade. We're heading into the United States Grand Prix from Austin, Texas. Circuit of the Americas coming up this race weekend. Six races to go, six points in it at the top of the championship. How's it going? I'd mean, Sam, you're, you're getting back from the Canary Islands. Like, exciting times for you.
1: That's right. For those who don't know where the Canary Islands are, it's off the coast of Africa. I've oh, been on holiday. Uh, it's quite nice. Uh, everyone out there recognised me immediately. Um, not for late-breaking, Morphus being the idiot of England No, um, oh, it was lovely, it was rather lovely Back just in time for us, make sure the schedule allows me to be back for this um, So, yeah, you're welcome, thousands of listeners, thank you
3: We're committed Did you see many canaries? Didn't they, uh, I saw island? no
1: canaries, I'll tell you what I did see though I ordered for dinner at one night a chicken milling I was always dinner talk at the start of this podcast <laughs> <laughs> And You'll never guess what a chicken millingese is in uh, the Canary Islands. I can tell you what, it's not a Paska dish with a tomato sauce over a large piece of chicken. They believe it's like a steak. I got grey chicken with, like, um, what are those, what's the cereal called? That, right. Like cornflakes, right. like a cornflake batter. Oh. And it had peppercorn sauce over it, and it was served with cold chips. And I can tell you what now, it was worse than this podcast.
3: Oh, man. Oh, goodness me. That is bad. That's bad. <laughs> yeah. We are the chicken milanese of the podcast world. It's <laughs> our latest review in there. Thank you, Sam. Yep.
2: Yeah. And, I mean, Harry, you, you've enjoyed a
3: similarly exotic week. You were just stuck by on a bus. Oh, folks don't talk about this bus. I'm raging. Look, I, I, people uh, who, who listen to this podcast or are in the Discord, Um Know that I have a reputation for being late, and today I think I was actually going to be on time. And then I got stuck behind a bus. like buses! Yeah, it's just I don't care if you're red, mate. You're not a Ferrari. You're a bus. Get out of the way. Bus.
1: That's the London life.
3: Bloody this is a very buses. British starts
2: the podcast, isn't it? Being stuck behind a bus and Sam being a British tourist on holiday in the most <laughs> typical fashion, misunderstanding what he's ordering. I think, we're, and, and like, like we say, we are committed to you, listeners. We are very committed to you. Sam's getting back from holiday. Harry's getting back, despite being stuck behind buses. <laughs> I, I've been here since last week, so I don't really count. Yeah, <laughs> we. I don't leave. We're very committed to this. Uh, And good thing, too, because we've got a lot to discuss. As I've already mentioned, United States Grand Prix coming up this weekend. So we will, of course, be getting into the preview of that. We'll also be discussing Valtteri Bottas and what has been owing to his recent form and our thoughts on the F1 2022 calendar that's been released since our last podcast. We're also going to be playing F1 overrated, underrated. A great jingle, if you haven't heard that one before, is associated with that. The segment's all right as well, but the jingle, we know that's what you're really (laughs) here for.
1: Tag out of tag, jingle.
2: We'll build up to that because we will start with the Austin preview. So Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, still very close to the championship, but both of them have been hit by grid penalties in recent races, meaning we haven't actually really seen them going at it in qualifying with the chance for pole position and then having a chance in the race to be battling as well, really uh, since Monza, when of course we know how that happens. So, looking at the two, this should be on pretty equal footing, at least from a penalty standpoint. Sam, who do you think might have the advantage?
1: I think people want to see a Red Bull surprise at this track, but I, <sighs> uh, the power that en- the, the Mercedes are found of their engines, it just feels like it's given way. And I feel like this is one of the last power tracks we might see. That it's a guarantee. Obviously, we don't know what the new tracks are set to deliver. So I think that here, coming to Koto, which is a happy hunting ground in the past for Lewis Hamilton. Of course, he's won a title here. Uh, that's how successful he was one of the years further back. I just think this is going to be a Mercedes dominance. And I think, and we'll get on to the, uh, the flying thing, the legend that is Valtteri Bottas. He is feeling mighty fine. Um, so I feel like Mercedes, Bottas backing up Hamilton... I think this could end up being a little bit of a... Maybe a dominant snore fest out of all the races we've had. And you've got to argue this has been an absolute golden season. Every single race seems to deliver something. Even Russia was exhilarating. So that tells you everything you need to know. Cota, I think, actually, could turn out to be a little bit of a bore. I think, I'm hoping not. I'm hoping now I've said that it's going to jinx it. We're going to see an absolute belch of a race. But I think the Mercedes, I think Hamilton, I think Bottas feeling good... I just think they've got the eggs here. I think that Red Bull are going to have to play catch-up. And luckily for them, the races coming up after Cota, I think very much suit the Red Bull outfit, the Red Bull makeup. So uh, I think it's going to be a damage limitation weekend for them.
2: Harry, I mean, I'm hoping you say the same thing as Sam, predicting a terrible race, because as we know, it will be a contender for race of the decade if that happens.
3: (laughs) Thanks. Um, I, I, don't th- I don't think we've, we we'd tend to get terrible races there anyway. I don't think it would be a terrible race, uh, but I agree with what Sam said in terms of uh, this is a, a bit of a damage limitation weekend for, for Red Bull um, just based on previous form and also how good Mercedes looked in Turkey. I think they've definitely taken a step up with their car. Um, it's not the same car it was in Bahrain testing, that's for sure. So they obviously found a sweet spot with it now. Um and, yeah, they've had a pretty, bar the uh, anomaly that is Kimi Räikkönen in 2018, they've had a very, pretty good record around Cota, Lewis Hamilton especially. Although, I did I did just remember Bottas won the last race here, weirdly, in 2019, I think. Yeah. Um, I looked to Ben then, because Statman. Uh, so, yeah. Statman! Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, Mercedes are are, are pretty are pretty good around Cota, so I think Red Bull won't be feeling the most confident going to the weekend. That being said, that isn't to say that Red Bull can't be competitive and challenge. Um, you know, at 2018 as an example, there was some tyre strategy that came into play there, and and Kimi Raikkonen won won his last race. So, you know, it's not all over for Red Bull, but I think on pure pace, Mercedes are going to have the edge this weekend. It's their sort of track. Um, Yeah, so Verstappen just needs to stay within touching distance of of, uh, Senor Hamilton, I think.
2: Yeah, I think coming into the season, based on what Mercedes have done in previous years, they would have had, Red Bull would have had a number of races they were looking at saying, well, given Mercedes' performance there in the past, that might be a difficult one to win. And really, this probably is the last one of those. Um, If we look to the five races that will happen after The United States Grand Prix. We've got two complete unknowns in Qatar and Saudi Arabia. No one really knows how well they'll go there. Mexico, Red Bull have got to fancy themselves there. They've always been really strong and perhaps more significantly, Mercedes have pretty much always been weak there as well. Um, You look at Brazil, Max Verstappen was the last driver to win there. And you look at Abu Dhabi, Max Verstappen was the last driver to win there. So this is probably the last circuit that you as mercedes you would say yeah that they've probably got this in the bag um but that that that's probably quite promising for red bull because they know that even if let's say lewis hamilton wins this grand prix and max verstappen can get a second place depending on what happens to the fastest lap point that would put them pretty much level if not you know hamilton one point ahead I think that's a pretty good position for Red Bull to be in, given the circuits that are coming up, if they do think that they can get the wins in Mexico and Brazil and other circuits that are still to come. I think if you look at Turkey and how good Mercedes were there, Bottas did really well in the race. He dominated that from start to finish. And I, my view is if it was dry, it would have been even more dominant because we know that Bottas, he did a very good job, but it's never been his forte. And it is Max Verstappen's forte who finished second. So if it's dry conditions, based on what we saw in practice, I actually think that gap is extended beyond what it was, which was already a really impressive gap. I think overall that Mercedes performance at Turkey was the most dominant from any team this year since probably Red Bull at Austria when Max Verstappen was utterly dominant there. And you'll you'll remember, and I, I think Sam, you know, you're saying that you think Mercedes will go well here. At this point in the season, Sam, I know we've already covered off the Bottas thing, you were wrong on that, but I remember after the Austrian Grand Prix, you said the championship was over uh, and that Red Bull would go on to win. So just basically to let you know that just because we've got one thing out of the way of in terms of Valtteri Bottas, we're just just moving on to the next thing now (laughs) to to wait on that. Um, But... I, th- I think you are right. I think Mercedes should fancy themselves here. Bottas has got a race win here before. Hamilton has got plenty of race wins here before. Um, so, and, and it's a long old straight down uh, down in sector two. It's a big old straight, which should f- theoretically help out Mercedes based on what we've seen in previous races. Obviously, they've taken a, a trick out of the Ferrari 2019 playbook as to how their engine has got very good in the last few races. I mean, what? Solar i didn't say that um i don't i i don't believe that don't don't worry T- tinfoil hats can go away we're not having them today uh, so i i think mercedes are probably favorites i think lewis hamilton's probably favorite and in all honesty even though the championship is really close i think hamilton needs a win here what about sergio perez because we saw at the last race in turkey he stepped up he was able to hold off hamilton that probably helped them a lot in terms of where Hamilton ended up finishing up. I think we all agreed after the race that it was probably his most promising Grand Prix for for a fair while, maybe since Baku. Sam, do you think that Perez can build on that going into this race?
1: I would like to think so. It's taken long enough. If I'm totally honest, I had a lot of high hopes. I know as a trio, we had a lot of high hopes of Perez. We're all kind of little Checo fans. We all like to see him do well. Um, And we all agree that him going to that RBC at the start of the season was the right call. And I would argue, apart from the winning in Baku, which he was almost gifted, he hasn't really shone up until that Turkish Grand Prix. That was by far, I think, his best performance in a Red Bull car. And It says a lot that, you know, he wasn't anywhere close to the, the front two still. But I would like to think he could build on that. It was very positive. He had a good positive weekend. We've been asking him, you know, can you give us one full weekend of positivity practice is alright qualifier is alright the race is alright and he delivered with that now there are some similarities between Turkey and Kota it's got a couple of very long sweeping turns you'd argue that turn 8 at Turkey is very similar to the triple right hander at the end of sector 3 of Kota it's got the very very long straight which I know is broken up by a chicane in, uh, in Turkey but again in the back straight again, we've got a huge straight in Kota um, and it's got kind of a long sweeping section and cars like McLaren, for example, have shown that in long turns they'd struggle with that excessive application of power and downforce together. I think Perez here could have a very good weekend, and I think they need to look out more for Ferrari making uh, taking advances on the top four cars, rather than um, seeing if Perez can maybe penetrate the Hamilton Bottas front two, which a lot of people are expecting. Stay on the coattails of Verstappen, earn the team some good points, Damage limitation, he is definitely capable and I hope that he's buoyed by the positive response that he had last time out in Turkey. Because it was really, really good. And we know that Checo can deliver. Um, And Kota can be quite harsh on that tyre wear due to the first sector. So maybe he can make some magic work.
3: Do you think, Harry? Yeah, I think he just needs to be a little Mexican nuisance, doesn't he? Um, If Red Bull aren't... That's what they call him. (laughs) That's what they call him. Um, If Red Bull aren't going to be... At uh, uh, the, the well, not, I don't want to say a competitive, but you know, as quick as a Mercedes, they just need him to do his 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 normal or, or the thing he's been renowned for in the race, and you know, maybe to go for an alternate strategy, go along, just be in the way if if the Mercedes is around him, um, as he as he did in, in 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 Turkey, and he did a fine job of it. He got in the way of, of Hamilton for quite a few laps, and obviously ultimately held him off. Um, see so, yeah, i think that's what red bull even him you know great if they are more competitive competitive than than we're saying here um but if they're not then i think that's ideal. they don't need him stuck behind a mclaren or or a ferrari whatever down in 7th or or pierre gasly who who lives in p6 now um they don't need him stuck behind any so of those just home. It's just don't it's he's bought it out it's his uh, it's his his home now p6 <laughs> um yeah red bull don't need him back there they need him as you say, Sam, on the coattails or Verstappen and just being a bit of a nuisance. I think uh, I agree with you. I think he needs to
2: be the disruptor. Um, nice. And it, I, it's t- its topical as well because we're at the United States Grand Prix. As we know, a few years back, Michael Buffer did the driver introductions for everyone, such as calling Danny Kvyat the torpedo, <laughs> which, is still, which is still the most savage thing that's ever happened on an F1 track so if he's there this weekend I do hope that he calls Sergio Perez the disruptor because that's what he needs to be e- exactly that Red Bull are in a uh, an okay position in that they've got nothing to defend in that as a team at least because they are behind Mercedes in the championship and there's no threat at all from third place fourth place it's a t- it, you know it's been that way since really the first few races of the season but it's a it's a two-horse fight in in that respect so, really, they just need to make—they just need to make sure that he is disrupting Mercedes' strategies one way or another, a la Turkey, like exactly what he did there. If you think what what Mercedes have proven this year, that even though they are very very good as a team, they are not strategically—they're um, strategically vulnerable when they when questions are asked about them. We've seen them falter in certain situations. And you just need to make sure that Perez is in a position where the Mercedes pit wall are looking at their driver strategy and thinking, but what's Perez doing? How is that going to affect it? Is, is Perez going to do this, which will mean we can't do this? Once those questions are asked and they've got decisions to make as a result of that knowledge, that's where the mistakes might happen. They won't definitely happen. But they might do. If you're not asking those questions in the first instance, You know, if, if you know that Perez has qualified down in P11 and he's making his way back through the field, they can go about the Hamilton-Bottas strategy without even thinking about Sergio Perez. They can't be stuck in that scenario. They need Perez in the mix. They need him first and foremost getting the results. But even in the instances where he's not getting the results, they need to be preventing mercedes from getting results so even if sergio perez comes home p5 in a grand prix that isn't necessarily the end of the world if his strategy has meant that verstappen's gone on to win the race ahead of lewis hamilton so getting the results is in the first instance i hope he can back up what he did in istanbul Uh, but even if he can't get the result this weekend if the mercedes dominance does happen even if he can split the Mercedes or if he can disrupt Hamilton in some way, shape or form, that will be enough. Looking up and down the grid, who do you think, above all else, needs a result this weekend, Harry?
3: Um, that's a tricky one, actually. I'm going to go for Yuki Tsunoda. I feel like I've said this one before in a previous race, but um, he—he uh, was—it he was close, bless him. He was very close in Turkey, and then he then he had a little little spin, and then it all went a bit bit south. Um, but up until that point, he's having a lovely little weekend. Good quality. held up Lewis Hamilton for a while. Not an easy thing to do, uh, and then it all went a bit wrong. So uh, he just needs to string together a complete weekend, for it not to rain. I think nice and dry would be would be good. I think. Uh, and just be, you know, a bit closer to Mr. P6, Pierre Gasly. Um, yeah, I think it, uh, just for himself. Not that he's under pressure for next year. Um, just for his own self confidence coming into the to, towards the end of the season. they will go for Yuki Tsunoda. Which driver
2: will you pick for this one? Driver who needs the biggest, who needs the result the most, Sam.
1: Um, I wasn't going to say Yuki Sangoda, but just on little Yuki I do think we need to start seeing results now from Yuki I still love him I still think he deserves that seat next year I think he was moved up a year early but he has ha- now had enough races in a Formula 1 car that you would expect a race without a spin or a race that is a consistent pace and he's only a few places behind Gasly who is having an amazing season he's he's starting to really not cut the muscle. And after a full season when you're not seeing that development Something he needs to change or we need to see something a little different from him. Maybe Alex Albon just needs to be the driver coach for every driver in the Red Bull programme because clearly it goes all right. Um, driver, I think, needs the biggest result. Eskimo Ocon, I think. He's, he's been asleep at the wheel, almost, you know, metaphorically, of course, not literally. That'd be quite impressive, actually. Um, he managed to do the the coveting no-stop around Istanbul. and I think he picked up one point. Um which, yeah, you know, not, not a bad drive from Esteban to, to carry that home. But Fernando Alonso, who has been out of the sport for a good couple of years, who, you know, he's a wily old fox now, and people don't believe he's necessarily got the pace he once had. He is getting trounced every single race weekend, it feels like. For the last four or five, at least, race weekends now, he's, he's been given that long-term deal, and Ocon is just, you know, like I said, falling asleep at the wheel. He's just not there like he was at the first four or five races of the season. I don't know what's happened. I don't know if they've changed the setup of the car. If Alonso is suddenly having a saying how the car is set up for a weekend and it suddenly suits his driver's style and it doesn't suit Esteban's. But the guy just isn't pumping in the performances as we saw previously. He's clearly capable. He's clearly a very talented driver. But I think a lot of people are starting to lose a bit of faith in Esteban because he's just not there with his teammate. And I would argue that the Alpine is no faster than the Aston Martin. And Ocon is finishing around where Stroll and Vettel are finishing, you know, a couple of places between them. Alonso is regularly four or five spots ahead of that pack, which, one, shows how good Alonso's skill is, but two, shows that what that Alpine theoretically is capable of, and I don't think that Arkong that is delivering. So I think that, you know, he needs a couple of good races to get himself back on track, and this should be one of them.
2: I don't disagree with either of your choices, and I actually think they're both struggling from the same thing, which is the early season expectations for them well, so the early season results in the year should not be the expectations. And they have been because we've seen it. So in terms of Yuki Tsunoda, he must be the only rookie in existence where his best race was his first race in F1. It's absolutely ridiculous how how that's came to be. Like The, the move that he made on Alonso in Bahrain just seems so long ago now. And you always expect with rookies that they'll improve as the season goes on with Yuki Tsunoda it was it, it hasn't happened at all it's not even close uh, and with Esteban Ocon it's a pretty similar story in that he performed pretty well against Fernando Alonso and we discussed this on a recent podcast performed pretty well against Fernando Alonso everyone's like hey, yeah Esteban Ocon he's pretty good he two time world champ is Fernando Alonso good good <laughs> job good job buddy and then Fernando's like oh I'll, I'll turn up now and then the rest has 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 followed on from that, so I think they they've suffered from a similar fate. My one is actually going a bit different. I, I'm not going to pick the I'm not going to pick a struggling driver here. My driver, who I think needs a good result, is Carlos Sainz. Now, Carlos Sainz, you could argue has had plenty of good results this year, which he definitely has, but there is exactly 0.5 points separating Kim and Charles Leclerc at the moment. And whoever comes out on top in that is going to dictate a lot for the next few years. If Carlos signs can beat Charles Leclerc this season, whether you think it's been slightly luck based or not, that's you know your decision. If he beats Charles Leclerc after one season at Ferrari, suddenly Carlos signs, who was being talked as a bit of a stopgap before they think of who the next guy is coming through, he's not that anymore because he's beaten the golden child of Ferrari, he's beaten Charles Leclerc, who's come off the back of two straight wins against Sebastian Vettel, that puts signs in high esteem and that should secure a longer-term future with the team. And if anything, and there are rumblings about this, they might well direct the car more towards his driving style. If he can prove that after one year he's beating Charles Leclerc, why can't he do it after two or three? He would definitely ask that question. So... I think Carlos Sainz, if he can get a good result here, suddenly Charles Leclerc is running out of time with which to beat Sainz. So I I, I actually think Carlos Sainz gets a good result here, gets the advantage in that battle between those two drivers. Suddenly that might well change the narrative for 2022 and beyond that. I think it's time for some bold predictions. Oh yeah.
1: Let's get bold!
2: Thank you Michael Buffer. And Michael Buffer, you can indeed start us off this week. Sam Sages, you are sometimes known as. What is your bold prediction?
1: I feel like I should be getting a Michael Biffer because I'm more of a Biffer Bing version of uh, Michael Buffer, really. You know? <laughs> Biffer <I'm> Bin. Like... <laughs> of <laughs> course like rubbish Biffer rubbish Bins wording. have got a shout out. <laughs> B- Biffer, if you want to sponsor the party, hit us up on the, uh, the email. Re- We're...
2: We are suitably rubbish, so I, I, it yeah. makes sense.
1: You'll be right at home here with the, the crash, as our American audience might say, in the garbage. Yeah. Um, bold prediction. Well, I'm very glad you brought up Carlos Sainz because Carlos Sainz is going to be the focus of my bold prediction. I think he is going to dominate Charles Leclerc and will finish at least 30 seconds clear of Charles Leclerc in this race.
2: Are you going to stipulate there is a reason why? Or are you going to say that it isn't due to an issue? Or are you just going to leave it at that? No, it's
1: pure pace. Pure, pure pace. pace. Right. I think I think Sainz is going to be on it. Because he was so good around Turkey. I think he's just got the momentum with him. I think here comes Carlos Sainz.
2: Who, Harry. I mean, that's fairly bold. So we'll see if you can follow that up. Uh, Fernando Alonso podium.
3: Oh, Here we
1: he's go! He's
2: right
1: out of it. Right Here we go! <laughs> Two-time world champ. Two-time
3: world champ. That's it. He's been he's been sniffing around this for a little while now. It's gonna happen. Well, we know that Sam predicted Alonso
2: for the podium in Turkey, and man, that was close. That that could have gone one <laughs> way or the other.
3: Pierre Gasly hadn't been in the way, he'd have, he'd have got there. P6 was trying to get those Nosebleed.
1: If he hit Mick Schumacherada, it would have been fine. <laughs>
3: yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. It's
1: all so, Mick's fault.
2: as long as Alonso remembers he's not a battering ram, he should be fine for your bold prediction. Yeah, be fine. My, bold, bold, my bold prediction gives away my uh, pole 1, 2, 3, at least in some part. My bold prediction is that Valtteri Bossas will move aside on the last corner of the Grand Prix to let Lewis Hamilton win. Or, or, you know, the second to last corner. But basically, the, the second half of the last lap, I will say, he moves aside for him to win. That is bold. All right,
1: so this has been a bold predictions segment. We've really ramped it up.
2: Lordy. I also love how I, I mean, if Carlos Sainz beat Charles Leclerc by 30 seconds, I don't know if the American crowd will care that much. If if Alonso gets third place, I imagine the crowd will love that a lot. If my bold prediction's right, the American crowd, they're, they're not going to be happy about that. We, we remember Austria 2002. I, I don't think the fans in Austin would, would like my bold prediction to happen, put it that way.
1: The, Amer- the, the American fangs on home turf have like a few dodgy moments have they when watching some F one. Let's let's try and just give them meow. a nice normal race. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I meant, the gneown guy, which um lives in my heart forever. Um yeah, let's I mean if they all come true, which they all theoretically can. Usually they can't all come true. Yeah, true. But we they could true. come true in one race. Exciting. Exciting, right. Poll one two three, shall we? Yeah, go ahead, Sam, what have you got? Pole is going to be Louis Ham. The win will be Louis Ham. Second place, Valtteri Bottas. Third place, Smoother Perega. Carlos Sainz is going to be on the podium in third place. He's going to be on it, folks.
3: Harry, pole one, two, three. three. Uh, pole, and giving it to butties. Uh The win is just Verstappen is second. And the two-time world champ is in third.
1: What happens to Bottas? Poor uh, Bottas, you hate him. You hate him.
3: No, it, bad bad luck, mate. Alonso probably battered him out of the way. I don't
1: know. <laughs> Can't
3: on, on Battering ram Alonso stays
2: for another week. Um, well, I've already <laughs> I've already so... given mine away for the most part. Unless uh, unless Bottas lets Hamilton by and actually then DNFs whilst doing it. You can probably guess, <laughs> what, my, you can probably guess what my first and second is. Um, Pole, I'm going to go with Valtteri Bottas. First place, I'm going to go with Lewis Hamilton in accordance with my bold prediction. Second place will then be Valtteri Bottas and then Max Verstappen will be third.
1: Can I just say, imagine being? imagine if your bold prediction is about to come true, right? We're halfway down the back straight, the message comes over to, to Bottas, Bottas, you've done a great job, Lewis is right behind you for the championship, please move out of the way, and then they collide.
2: Yep. I thought you were going to say, can you imagine over team radio, Valtteri Bottas going... Uh, no Ben predicted this would happen so I'm going to stay ahead
1: (laughs) to (laughs) whom it may concern in brackets Ben up yours
2: he does say that to me quite often to be fair
1: all Um, the time
2: bold predictions poll one two three let us know what you've got for those ones uh, in the discord the link will as ever be in the description so come along have a chat and let us know your thoughts
1: Boys, how do you feel about watching F1 and making money at the same time?
2: I mean, usually I do one of those two.
3: Which one do you do, Ben? It's, it's usually the F1 bit. Oh, right, not making money. No, no, I don't do that well, very
1: often. boys, we have a can't-miss offer just for you, courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can bet just one dollar on this Sunday's United States Grand Prix and win one hundred dollars in free bets if any driver finishes a lap. Even Maserati has a chance of doing that.
3: If sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, or county, I guess we say in, over in the UK. Um, what's what's the, what's the other equivalent of a state? I don't know. Uh, state county but a, well, a
1: borough. No, that's like a place. Probably. But
3: yeah, if it's not available in your place yet, you can get into the action with DraftKings free-to-play pools. Oh, swimming pools. Yeah, that's it. All customers get a free shot of $5,000 in total prizes. Just answer a handful of questions about what you think will happen during the race and follow along to track your results. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. The three adjectives they described, <laughs> used to describe us, obviously. Uh, best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want.
2: Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now using promo code BREAKING. That's all capital letters B-R-A-K-I-N-G. Bet just $1 on this Sunday's race and win $100 in free bets if any driver finishes a lap. That's promo code BREAKING at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit for free bet promotion. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, that's call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll move on. We'll stick with Valtteri Bottas, actually. Um, if you can't remember, he won the last race, despite the fact that he will never win a race again, uh, as <laughs> someone as someone on this podcast might have predicted. Can't quite remember. Um, but fun fact about Valtteri Bottas, if you were looking for the driver with the most points from the last four races it would be Valtteri Bottas. He's been in somewhat of a good run of form, three podiums in those four races. So, Harry, why do you think that this is the case? Bottas seems to think that the long-term deal has given him that
3: security, which which has helped him. Do you think he's right on that? I think he probably listened to our podcast and heard Sam. Yeah. And was like, well, can't have that anymore. That's rubbish. Um, Yeah, look, I think it's got to be at least something to do with the, the security that has been brought on by his long-term deal for, for next year and beyond um, you know even the last since 2017 he's been living his life a year at a time living living on the edge uh, not knowing whether he's got a job until, until fairly later on in the previous year so that's got to have helped take the pressure off for, for, for Bottas um, we've seen it in has he, has he won uh, did he win Abu Dhabi 2019 can't remember but you know, when that security is in place, he he uh, he comes on, comes on form. So um, yeah, I, th- I think it's, I think it's definitely going to be something to do with that. And also, I think the the pressure of the pressure is off in a way of being Lewis Hamilton's teammate, um, or or sorry, I, uh, you know, the expectation or that he should be trying to beat Lewis Hamilton. I think we've all accepted that's not going to happen. It definitely hasn't happened. He's moving on. And I think that's just kind of, that pressure's gone now. There's no, there's no, uh, no one questioning why he's not beating Hamilton anymore. Um, And that Verstappen title fight has definitely helped things as well, I think. So, yeah, the the long-term deal is going to be a a huge factor for for Bottas' form. Um, And it's good to see. And I hope this carries on into that Alfa Romeo, Sauber, Andretti, whatever it's going to be called, uh, uh, years for him. And I, and I think it will, I genuinely think this will be the start of a, a, a Valtteri Bottas rejuvenation. Um, and I think Alfa Romeo, uh, uh, Alfa Romeo have signed or bagged a sweet deal here. Yeah, I've been
2: uh, fairly vocal on my thoughts on that. I, I do think Alfa Romeo have got themselves a good deal here. I think the concern from me in terms of giving Bottas or confirming that Bottas won't be there next year so early was that what would that actually mean for uh, his willingness to get out of the way of Lewis Hamilton and such. And I think Mercedes might have been handed a bit of a free pass here in that Bottas was able to win a Grand Prix that he did There was never any chance that he would need to concede it to Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton was never in the position where he could take first place away from Valtteri Bottas. So I now think for the rest of the year, if Bottas is in a position to win, he's probably more likely to step aside than if he hadn't won in Istanbul. So I think that helps out. And yeah, I I do think Bottas is right here in that I'm sure the security is helping him because he has for the last four or five years always been driving with the intention of I need to perform well to get this seat again next year and there there hasn't been that security there and some some drivers under that sort of pressure will perform some won't and that's okay and and Bottas I think belongs to the latter category it seems as if when the pressure is at its most Bottas can't perform that that's all right he's a great driver outside of that and we've, we've seen that in the last few races particular you know Monza the result wasn't there but the performance definitely was uh, and he was able to convert it in Turkey just being able to go out there and drive without a care in the world that's the way for me that Bottas is at its be- at his best and when he is at his best there are very few on the grid that can actually compete with him so uh, good on him for for turning it around the last few races and hey I mean if if things stay as they are and Max Verstappen wins the Drivers' Championship but Mercedes win the Constructors' Championship Bottas can hold his head high and say I did my job Lewis, you just had to beat Max and we'd have won both championships buddy, <laughs> uh, I'm not quite sure how that argument will go down but you could argue if you're if you're pitting the number one and two drivers against each other and it ends like it is right now, you could say well Bottas beat Perez, he's done his job there So, uh, and he is right now, so fair play to him Sam, what's, what are your thoughts on this?
1: Oh boss I say you living in up. My man is so chill. <laughs> oh I love God. it. You know the song, the one that goes, Oh baby, you living it <laughs> up. What I know that that's the I, I wish I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can going on a holiday folks. I like some great times. Oh, uh, I'm gosh. like a I'm like a bumblebee in a lovely summer blooming flower. Um Honestly, Bottas is so chill. Why didn't Mercedes give him a three-year contract from the start? He could have decimated Lewis Hamilton. He could have turned him into... I don't know. Porridge. porridge you know? He would have had him as porridge. Valtteri Bottas, when he's relaxed, is clearly sublime. Um... Yeah, it's actually a bit of a shame that maybe we didn't get to see Valtteri Bottas in a Mercedes on like a two-year deal. So even the first year, we know full well that he could have been relaxed, he could have been taking it easy, and yet he could absolutely been absolutely you know, stomping the competition, winning races, having a great time, having por- porig parties every week. He is, when he's calm, when he's relaxed, the guy flies, he's a flying thing. You know, he really does deliver on the game. But as you said, under pressure, it just feels like he's unable to deliver when needed. Um, so I think there's every every chance that you know this weekend, Dakota maybe you know Jeddah, which looks like it could be a bit of a power track. He could be the man in contention for the victory over Lewis because Lewis is obviously feeling the pressure. We've seen the mistakes be made. Um, whereas Bottas, like we said, the last four races, top point scorer in the table, he is doing exactly what he needs to do. He is bringing it home from the saying He's exactly where he needs to be. He's beating the number two driver um, at the the opposing team in Red Bull and Perez. It's great. I'm so excited to see what he could do, uh, Andretti Spaghetti, or Alfa Romeo Racing, or Sauber Andretti Alfa Romeo, you know, Cangaloni for all it could be known. I don't know, but regardless, Doesn't it's going to be good fun. It. And even if, uh, yes, it does. And yeah. even if it's, um, even if it is only a big car. Even if, let's say, the best that can have a thing is 13th, 14th place. I'm excited to see what Bottas can do because when he was back in Williams. He was phenomenal. And I think he can do that again. I still think that, as Harry said, he's got that rejuvenation effect. Rejuvenation in the nation. Um on Bottas and Alfa Romeo. I am excited. Come on, Botties.
2: Rejuvenation in the nation. Words to live by Valtry Bottas. And I know he, he is listening along, so I'm sure he will take that advice. Good friend of the podcast is uh, is Valtry Bottas.
3: Doesn't quite
0: I love know you, it Valtteri. yet. But... <laughs> I've got to say,
3: that is my new favourite feature, uh, Friends of the Podcast. <laughs> I
1: mean, we've,
2: we've got a lot of them. There's a lot to get through in that respect, OK? A lot of the Friends famous of the famous Friends
1: podcast. of the Podcast. We're, we're like um, James Corden's, what's it called, Carpool Karaoke. We've just got lots of celebrity driver mates that might, might one day make an appearance on the podcast, if you're lucky, listeners, if we fancy treating you.
3: They just don't
2: know it yet. I mean, just comparing us to... To James Corden, like we're, we're British, and so's he. I think that's probably where the comparison ends, though. In that he's rich and famous and successful, um, we probably don't I mean, tick any funny, of those though. boxes. Oh, oh! Now he probably won't. He's not going to enjoy hearing that because, as as we know, he is a good friend of the podcast, and he'll be listening a lot. So.
1: <laughs> Sorry, James. The back stopped at Gavin and Stacey. Um, you hang got my boogers, Mick? Classic line.
2: Oh, my gosh. Right. Gavin and Stacey, James Corden, Biff of Bins. We've got all the references <laughs> in today, folks. Let's, let's move on to the 2022 calendar um, because... 23 races is what F1 are preparing here. Uh, Hopefully by 2023, there isn't any disruption to the calendar for COVID reasons, but obviously still a bit of an unknown. Regardless, 23 races planned in from March through to the end of November. Uh, We've all had a look at this, uh, and this is the first podcast we've had uh, as a chance to respond to it. So Sam, what do you make of what the FIA have come up with here?
1: Well, Nikita Mazepin will ha- be happy because this calendar is a yoke. I mean, get it? It, it? it was an egg joke. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> know? Oh, it's good. I'm to form Um oh Honestly, the way the calendar... Fine, 23 races. Fine, I'll accept it. We're, we're, it's happening. D- Domenicali hasn't listened to me rant on about it, so he's gone ahead with it. Fine, fine. Friend of the podcast. Just doesn't know it yet. But, but... Why have you laid them out in the order that you have? It is like doing a weird dance across the world, where you end up going back and forth and across and around and about and doing a, a backflip over Mars and then doing a pirouette through Pluto. And then you might end up backing Azerbaijan at the end of it. It's so ridiculously hectic, and... The whole sport is trying to become more eco-friendly. We've got, you know, more eco-friendly fuel happening. We're reducing the elements that you're allowed to use in the engine. Um, for 2025, the engine regulations have been simplified, which reduces cost and reduces the amount of material that goes into it. You're making all these changes, and yet you set up a calendar that sees you go back across three different continents about three or four times. It doesn't make any sense. I don't understand why you're doing this to the poor engineers, for the poor blokes and, and women and who have to sit there setting up the tents and do you know the, the, the catering and carry around heavy equipment and drive big lorries. It's a non-stop job, and you have made it incredibly worse by also just deciding that we're just going to punish the planet when we already punish the planet a lot year on year. It's silly. 23 races and you fly across the entire Earth about nine times. It is stupid. It is stupid and I don't understand it. And for for some very intelligent people, they make some very bizarre... And stupid decisions. If I'd like to give some reasoning as to why we like to fly across all these continents 83 times, the number will go up every time I mention it, then um, let me know, because it doesn't make any sense. So, get back to me. Uh, I do take emails, unlike Michael Massey.
2: I want, I want to start with with a positive on this, because you might well remember when the 2019 season came to an end sorry when the 2020 season came to an end uh they announced a new calendar for formula 2 and formula 3 a new race weekend format and such uh and we all agreed that it was stupid and finally f1 have agreed with us because they've decided to uh to change it back so thank goodness for that who knew having three months between races wasn't going to work in terms of getting people invested into a championship? God, come blimey on that one! Um, so good news, good news there. I want to—I just want to read out here, just continent-wise, what we're doing from races three down to race ten. We're doing Australia, Europe, USA, Europe, Europe. Asia, North America, Europe. Someone please tell me how that is the best way to go about the season. Not only is... Uh, I've always found it incredibly confusing why the Canadian Grand Prix is stuck in the middle of the European season or at the start of the European season just as its standalone event. That's always confused me. And then it was announced that Miami was going to be around that time. So, OK, well, that makes sense. They'll probably just do a doubleheader with Miami and... Uh, Oh, wait, no. They've decided to have Miami uh, as round five, uh, and then they're going to go back to Europe for a couple of races, go off to Asia for a race, and then have that as a double header. that being Baku, with the Canadian Grand Prix. I, I feel like they probably had, like, a massive uh, a board in front of them with all the races, and they're like, well, wow. oh, Canadian Grand Prix. I think we need a double header on that one. And they had, like, the choice of either... The US Grand Prix, which if you didn't know, folks, is right next to Canada um, or Baku, which if you didn't know, folks, is not next to Canada. (laughs) And they they have both of the options up there. They're like, like, oh, uh, oh, Baku we will put Baku in the middle of Asia with Canada, which is not in the middle of Asia. Fantastic work. Double, he- uh, double headers this season. I'm not even going to go on triple headers because that's another point entirely. But double headers this season. They've got Azerbaijan and Canada back to back. They've got Russia and Singapore back to back. Bear in mind, they're not really anywhere near each other. And then the last two races of the year, Brazil and Abu Dhabi. Again, nowhere near each other. I feel as if, and I could be wrong here. I feel as if it would make more sense that if you were to do double headers, you do them with two locations that are pretty close to one another not azerbaijan and i'll say it again canada come on
1: he's angry about this one folks
2: i i love the planet sam i will not apologize for it
1: (laughs) good job man good job do you think that they've what they've done is they've sat down in the room and they've only got the track official names laid out on a board so no country mention no cities and they've gone Circuit Gilles Villeneuve, oh. what one is that again? Oh, that must be the French Grand Prix, right? Oh. That must go close to Baku, that makes sense.
2: Oh, Gilles Villeneuve, yeah, he was born in Armenia, wasn't he? Yeah, he's right <laughs> next to Baku.
1: <laughs> That's a young and Armenia, best buds, put them together on the calendar. We've got an Armenian Grand Prix, haven't we? Perfect, that'll be really good for the environment, you plebs.
3: What have you got to say, Harry? Oh, I, honestly, I've got nothing else to like for this conversation. I just... just... Right, ben, you start with the positive. I've got another positive. It's good to see Japan and Canada back on the calendar. Whether we get there is TBC. But other, uh, as of this uh, recording, happy to see, especially Canada. Uh, a, a and Singapore calendar. as well. And Singapore, yeah. And to be honest, I know it's never the, the best race, but there are a few changes at Australia, which I'm kind of intrigued to see, so I hope we do get there as well. Um, but, yeah, like, Australia, Imola, Miami, Spain, in a month, getting the absolute bin. What is that? No. So, yeah, I, like I said, I don't have anything else extra to add to your, to your very very well-put and valid points, Um I mean, the second half of the year looks fairly standard in terms of modern F1 calendars, but the first half... And when I say first half, first 12.
1: Bloody mess. What are you doing? It's like my sentence structure trying to explain a point on this podcast. Yeah, just like, no no logistical
3: sense whatsoever. Anyway, I'm glad... Right, I mean, we'd all love to be working in F1, but I'm glad I don't work for the logistics department of an F1 team because that's a a headache. Also, a bit of a weird one.
2: Can't see the German Grand Prix anywhere on the calendar, which I feel like must be a typo because why would you not go to either Hockenheim or the Nürburgring?
1: Is it not there again? I thought I just lost it in the raffle numbers that are the Formula 1 calendar these days.
2: Two great circuits. I I mean, there are obviously other great circuits as well that aren't featured, but um, yeah, it's always... It's always a kick in the teeth when they don't have a German Grand Prix because it's two great circuits there.
3: Oh, look, but there's a white flag Grand Prix in Sochi, so that's good. Although it was I a belt this year. I love <laughs> the Surrender
1: Grand Prix. The Surrender Grand Prix. Sorry, <laughs> Russia. That was a joke. Don't come for me.
2: <laughs> You've annoyed too many nations on this podcast, Sam. No one can keep up. It's just safe That's to assume true. that Sam has insulted your na- your nation at some point for some reason.
1: It's amazing I got to go abroad, really, wasn't it? I I wasn't lynched at the airport.
2: Well, if you're not lynched for that, then hopefully you won't be lynched for this beautiful jingle that we will now play. F1 overrated, underrated, possibly Sam's favourite jingle. His <laughs> words, not mine. Here we go.
1: Overrated, underrated, what answers do we give? What way will they go? Overrated, underrated. What are we shoes come to see the show? Overrated, underrated! Oh it's good. Oh it's, it's good.
3: It's I've gotta admit, it's growing on me. Picks is, up, it growing. picks up in the second half, I've gotta say. Second half is good. Oh right. the heck I said the first half. <laughs> <laughs> Not gonna lie. Uh <laughs> F1,
2: overrated, underrated, we pick three things. They can be drivers, tracks, pretty much anything in the world of Formula 1. And very simply, we will give our opinion as to whether they are overrated or underrated or just about right in the style of Goldilocks. So, Harry, we'll start with you. Our first one, very appropriate, Circuit of the Americas, overrated, underrated.
3: Uh, I was thinking about this and I thought my initial thought was underrated, but then I, I actually just think... Rated, uh, I don't think oh, it's, Harry loves them rated sitting on the fence, you know. But no, but I think it's just that. I think, um, <laughs> I was like, oh, we, we've had quite a few good Grand Prix, and you know, people don't rate it as a classic. But I think, I think people, people like people, you know, people of the F1 world love going to Austin. I think that's supposed to be a really cool place to, to be. The F1 circuit is awesome, just looks awesome, and has some really cool corners in it, and 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 yeah, can still produce some good racing. Um, yeah, I, I don't think anyone goes, oh yeah, Kota or they go ugh, Kota what, what a dump. Uh, I just think people people like it, so I'm 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 going to go with rated. I think it it gets a fair fair crack.
2: Sam, overrated, underrated.
1: I think big time underrated. Um, I think it always delivers way more than I ever expect it to. We turn up every year to Cota, and I always think it's one of them tracks. It's a duds track. And if you listened to the early part of the podcast, you'd have heard that I predicted the same thing again. I said it was going to be a score fest because my brain immediately assumes, oh, it's kota It's going to be boring. And you know what? I don't know if that's just maybe me being the classic moron that I am, but I actually think that, yeah, properly underrated. We always get something of a bit of a show, especially if Michael Biffer turns up, and um, we get Michael biffer <laughs> <performance. laughs> The bin himself. Um, the bin <laughs> himself. Um, <laughs> Obviously, yeah. So okay, the Americans underrated. And I'm very excited. I think with the new regs, if they work as intended uh, for the next season, it could be one of those tracks that produces some magic. I think because of the type of corners it has. So yeah, underrated.
2: Uh I think people see this as an average track in the context of the F1 calendar and I would agree with them so I'll go with rated. I think it's I think it's I think it's fine. I think it could very easily be better than fine. I actually think the corner layout of the circuit, the venue itself, Austin, you know, it, I think it's all there. All they need is this wonderful thing and they they call it gravel. Um like oh, yeah. That's all you need. Um, I just... That's the one thing I don't like about the circuit. I understand why they don't have it. Because it's, it's not just there for Formula 1. Uh, but as a pure F1 track, there are some corners that would definitely benefit um, from having some, some gravel traps there. But, you know, if you look at the... Particularly in that third sector, there are some great side-by-side corners that that, that lend itself well to racing. And I agree, in terms of the new regs, that could aid that even further. So... I think it's a good track. It's seen as such. So I'll say rated. Uh, But I will say, and we're speaking purely from an F1 context here, but if you are an F1 fan and you don't watch IndyCar, firstly, give it a go. It's definitely worth it. But secondly, please have a look at the last race that was held at the Circuit of the Americas and see what they they do with the penultimate corner uh, and what line they take. I promise you, it will be worth your time if you haven't seen it before.
1: Then you go uh, put some grit down on that corner.
2: <laughs> oh, what a faultless, faultless impression that was,
3: <laughs> um, This is your, this I'm is your weekly reminder that the majority of our audience is from the US.
1: Yeah, 53% of you are from the US, and if you haven't turned off by L, Why? <laughs>
2: And of course, if you aren't from the US and you haven't turned off, why?
1: <laughs> um, Baffling. Yeah.
2: Anyway, next one on F1 Overrated, Underrated is uh, the Torpedo himself, as Michael Biffer would announce him as. Uh,
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Danny Kvyat.
1: What,
2: what do you say to Danny Kvyat, Sam?
1: Um. I think Daniel Kvyat, and I'm going to join you boys with your previous um, analysis of Circuit of Americas, I think he's rated. You know why? He's good at so many roles, <laughs> but he doesn't excel like in any of them. Um, he, he was a good racing driver. He has a, he has a, you know, a few good days and a few good races. I've, I've never been shocked when he's had a good performance, but he's also never really delivered something spectacular. Um, but then, when he was the the, the Alpha Tower janitor, you know, the floors were always nicely cleaned, but never sparkling. When he was the accounts manager, they never had any issues, but they also never excelled in profits. So, Danny Kivia, wherever you stick him, it'll be good. It'll never be great. I'm gonna go with underrated
2: ever so slightly on this one. We have to bear in mind here that Danny Kivia, over the course of a full season, beat Daniel Ricardo. Daniel Ricciardo beat Sebastian Vettel over the full course of a season and Sebastian Vettel won four world titles. Therefore, using this logic, Danny Kvyat is better than a four-time world champion. So I'd say he's underrated. Five-time world Most people don't see Danny Kvyat as a five-time world champion, so he's got to be underrated. Um, in all seriousness, he did actually beat Daniel Ricciardo across a full year, which takes some doing. He lost his confidence completely when he was dropped. Um... When he was dropped from the Red Bull program, but he recovered somewhat. In the end, uh, he stacked up pretty well against Alex Albon. I think he takes a lot of stick. I mainly from us, but he takes a lot of stick, <laughs> <laughs> um, and probably yeah, doesn't. Yeah. He probably doesn't deserve a lot of it. He, he is a good, solid driver. Uh, so I'll say underrated. What about you, Harry? He's
1: also just a really nice guy, isn't he? he is just a nice person
3: just really nice person yeah I believe he likes reading like um classic novels as well I seem to remember reading that yeah 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 that sort of stuff um anyway uh I I agree with you Ben I'm purely uh, I mean I love your logic about he beat Daniel Ricciardo who beat Sebastian Vettel I guess he'd keep going with that and go who beat Lewis Hamilton so Danny Kefiet an 8 time world champion I don't know like how far do you take this um Yeah, I, I underrated for 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 the reasons that you suggested. And yeah, just because he... I don't think there are many drivers that manage to fight their way back into a seat, especially fight their way back into the Red Bull programme, which, you know, as Alex Elbon has proved, is pretty, pretty difficult to do. We You know, he's not fought his way back in, he's fought his way into a different team with their help, admittedly. But um, yeah, I think that's quite a difficult thing for a driver to do, and shows actually what a quick... Peddler he was. He just had a tendency sometimes of of torpedoing people, which is unfortunate. Um, because on his day, I think he was really good. Uh, and like I say, he beat Ricardo in twenty fifteen. Had some good races that year. A couple of couple of podiums potentially, um, or maybe one podium and then another podium the year uh, uh, year after. But um, yeah, underrated for me.
2: All right, and the last one for overrated underrated is the new 18-inch tyres that are being brought in by Pirelli. Uh, What do you think about them, Sam? Uh,
1: I think they are over... No, I don't think they're overrated. I think they're underrated. I've just changed my mind entirely. Uh, By changing my mind entirely, I just said the wrong word. Um, I love that they are these big fat chunks of rubber on the back of these cars (laughs) i think they look sexy i think the cars look good i love it when you do the slow-mo shots of the f1 cars and you see the tire oscillate good word that folks oscillate whatever the day um and if imagine now watching a big 18-inch oscillate don't take this out of context please we're talking about pirelli tires thank you um it, you know theoretically it should provide for some good action big traction out of tight corners it should you know create some good racing might like get some good wheel banging going on which is always fun to watch I've got no issue with it I've got no issue with it I'm sure that both Bang and Harry have come up with some interesting science behind the reason as to why they're rubbish but for me yeah slap them bad boys on you know when you you see like a chef like a big bit of like pork down on the table they slap it a bit for for no reason they just seem to slap it a bit on the table that's what i want to see like lewis hamilton walk up to his 18 inch tire on the back of the stage give it a big slap before the race starts and then off you go that's what i want to see. so that's why they're underrated
2: (laughs) do you agree with sam's decision if not his reasoning of getting
3: there (laughs) i am yeah Baffled by the reasoning, but um, Sir Lewis Hamilton, <laughs> the salt bay of the F1 world, is <laughs> slapping his tyres around. Um, that's why maybe I was so good. He's very sprinkle those qualifying
1: tyres, couldn't he? <laughs> He's got <laughs> plenty
3: of <Soviet> tyres. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wonder if the qualifying tyres will be like mini version, they will not look the same, like, Ma- be like mini- Mario
1: Kart tyres,
3: <laughs> yeah, mini 18 inch, which obviously doesn't work, but you know what I mean. Uh, anyway, yes, underrated because um, I think they look pretty good. The only thing I would say is I don't, I don't want the discs. I don't want the disc back. I, I didn't. Two thousand nine wasn't. I didn't like that, so I don't want yet. Yeah, I yeah, want the discs. discs.
1: I want and I
3: the don't, discs. Don't like, I think they look because I think they look great from the testing pictures, and these are for cars, on cars that aren't meant to have these tires. Really, the you know, m- mule cars um, that. I still think they look really good, so I, I wish they didn't put the discs on. But overall, I think the car next year, or well, the you know the prototype they've shown, looks really cool. These tires, these these tires um, or wheels. So, but yeah, un- underrated because I. I, 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 I think this is a tricky one because we we don't know how they're going to be, on the track. But from what I've seen so far, aren't they meant
1: want... to light up though? I don't
3: know if I want that. I don't know if I need that in my F one wheel. You know. I get it.
1: I'm, I'm up for giving it a go. I like Christmas, so that's lots of lights. <laughs> why not have it? So, Harry, you it. hate
2: Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Harry hates times.
1: Christmas. Um, so yeah, 23 times a year, Christmas lights on the side of my car. I want them to put random things on it. Put my face on one. Put our faces on it. Right, and tire. that
3: there, folks, is a complete reason why we shouldn't have <laughs> LEDs on the side of tyres. Also, who, who would be spinning down. around?
2: Who would be on the fourth tyre? Longer,
1: or friend of the podcasts, special guest time.
2: We've we've got so many. Sam. Dave. Who do we Don't pick? Dave. No, Dave? Dave. Dave Benson Phillips. He would he would get. Just a his lot. face
3: going around with F car.
2: No, no, Dave,
3: you're yeah. not getting paid for it. <laughs> God, <Dave. laughs> oh, such, a, such a money money fiend, isn't he, Dave? You <laughs> oh, always look always look, looking for that next paycheck. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Or
2: A2. Oh. One of the two. Ah, doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go underrated on these tyres because um, they're chunky and they look good. Um, I know you were expecting something incredibly scientific, wow. Sam. I understand why. I was, but I just like that they're they're, they're big and chunky. As they look good, <laughs> they?
1: We love chunky, Mr. Chunky.
2: Um, I actually agree with Harry on the discs uh, side of things, and as long as no team decides to put in any idiotic gold rims, I'm fine. But um...
1: come on, Ferrari, you can do it.
2: Hey, I mean Ferrari Ooh. are notorious for just being wrong about everything, so I'm sure they'd be the first to put gold rims on their car. But yeah, mm. I, I I like them. They these tyres look good and I'm interested to see what they look like on the, uh, on the new cars as well because like you say we've only got that reference point of, uh, of uh, the testing cars at the moment
1: Ben can I yeah. ask you a question oh go on then if you were presented with an 18 inch Pirelli would you, would you give it a good slap
2: <coughs> I would slap it around like it was
3: nothing
1: <laughs> great perfect that's all I need
3: that's a perfect place to end this week's podcast Play it, the jingle. It really is.
1: Overrated, underrated. What answers do we give? Or where will they go? Overrated, underrated. What a we shoes, Come and see the show. Overrated, underrated. Oh,
2: God. Absolute banger. Uh, I mean, we'll be back in a few days' time for the review podcast. If you wouldn't mind, Sam, getting us out of here
1: oh what a well end a real bop to the top with that one folks if you've enjoyed the potty um, feel free to leave a review maybe after this one that you'll get you'll get a positive review it's been a bit of a wild one um, if you want to join the discord the link is in the description 200 strong I think is in there which is pretty pretty crazy uh, and to like the 95% of you that actually skipped to me doing this rubbish bit at the end thank you because there are, like, thousands of you that actually bother to stick it out. Baffling me. Um, we love your support. We'll be back after the the uh, circuit of the Americas, which is going to be a late one. So, yes, we're going to stick it out just for you. Um, yeah, love you all. Uh, let us know what you think. And in the meantime, I'll be Samuel Sage.
3: I've been Ben Hawking. I've been a little Mexican nuisance. And remember, <laughs> keep breaking like
1: Slap that 18-inch. <laughs> oh, God, okay. can